Hey friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I am in Seattle, Washington. Friend Thomas Mellick, uh, aka Benoit Billard. And Banjo the Cat. And Banjo the Cat is sniffing my bag and wondering what yeah. I'm all about. He's not the one who's crazy, don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> that's good to know. At least not yet. Okay, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, we're in Seattle. Um, Thomas has a show tonight that I'm going to go to. Looking forward to that. And just wanted to come by his apartment for a little bit to talk to him about the worst show ever. What's um, what, what do you got? Uh, so the one and the only time that I've ever been to Burlington, uh, which was a place I was really looking forward to, to going, uh, was I guess on my scale a disaster. I know we were just talking before we started rolling that I've been lucky enough never to have, at least so far, knock on the table there, uh, anything stolen from me on tour or like I've gotten into a fight been threatened. Uh, I've been heckled once, but it was by somebody who immediately left the room because they didn't basically were so drunk or high or something they didn't seem to know where they were. But in any case, <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing like that. Okay. Um, and managed to avoid the law for the most part as well. Um, any case, so I went to Burlington in the middle of a tour at the end of 2010 when I was uh, I'd gotten married that year and my wife was off in the UK. Um, getting her master's in uh, clock and watchmaking, and she works with Automata now just to plug her work, yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, anyway, awesome. so she was, uh, she was overseas, and I was in a fairly depressive state. I would say, like, melancholy plus, not quite, like, okay. <laughs> you know, not crippling, uh, couldn't leave the house kind of thing. I was just really continuously bummed because I hadn't seen her in, in a couple months and then I was going on this tour so I thought that would kind of lift my spirits because uh, you know touring regardless of what happens is always um, a total privilege like just getting to be able to go out and play music for people and not lose money is, is right. pretty pretty amazing considering how many people I know with tons of talent who, who haven't really had the chance yet um, for whatever reason any case uh, I had seen a bunch of friends in Ann Arbor, it was a great show there, and then uh, played Toronto and Montreal, uh, both of which were, were fine, Canada, Canada's always great, um, if you can get in successfully, get out. Right. Um, <clears throat> so then I drove down very, you know, I think I was just waved through the border into Vermont, and uh, realized as I was looking at my, at the time, printed out MapQuest directions, that it was actually in Winooski, uh, Vermont, which I think is a right. little college, is it a college town or something? Or it's a suburb. I know it's right next to Burlington. What's strange is I've seen before that Winooski sometimes is larger on the map than Burlington, and okay. I've always found this strange because I think of Burlington as like the main city of Vermont, but... Yeah. It's the biggest for sure. That was in a trivia uh, category that I had a couple weeks right. ago. <laughs> But um, so, but I think it's yeah, it's like over it's across the river, yeah, from from, from Burlington, right? So yeah, so not, not a not a big deal, but I realized that because I was only there for one night, I probably wouldn't actually get to see the city of Burlington. Oh right. Um, and I think I was moving on to Boston the next day, something like that. Um, so anyway, I roll into Winooski, and I was probably like an hour and a half early, but I had texted the uh, promoter to let him know that I was going to get there early and ask if he had any recommendations or if I could hang out at the venue, which was called the Monkey House. Um, okay. I don't know if you ever played there. But I have not played there, though. I've heard about it yet. It's just kind of a normal normal bar. Uh, okay. you got a big glass front to the street uh, in, a, in a row, kind of an old, old um, small-town style Main Street. Yep. Um, and so he, I think, I got there and then heard from that dude like a half an hour later 
uh, he was just like, yeah, go in, hang out, get a, get a beer or whatever. Um, and I don't remember the, the exact timeline. We'll say he was uh, supposed to be there at three and he, sh he rolls up at like five o'clock and I've been writing in my notebook or reading or whatever. And I'm uh, a little annoyed with the lack of communi communication, but it's just that he's kind of just a, a twerp, this, this dude. And I'd like, I don't like to make immediate judgments, but he was, he just seemed kind of, you know, in my memory, he's kind of greasy and scrawny and, and just like very nervous looking dude. And he kind of like wouldn't make eye contact, that kind of thing. Mm. Any case, um, but this is probably just some of that might be invention because of the experience that ensued. He was, uh, he just like didn't seem to know any of the details that were, uh, that were pertinent. He couldn't tell me who, who was handling sound or like when sound guy would be there. Just totally uninformed and, and no help whatsoever. And then I, then I find out, uh, that there are going to be, f I think, five bands on the bill, which okay. three is maximum. I think I love it when there's two because everybody <laughs> gets, you know, plenty of time to like breathe and do a good set. And three is fine if the first two play for a shorter bit, uh, but anything beyond that is just kind of problematic for everybody involved, including the audience. I think that many changeovers and so forth. Yeah, five, five's a lot. So anyway, five bands, and then uh, also one of those five bands shows up in two vans, and there's like a, it's like a nine piece with a brass section and stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, so when I'm in the when I'm in the monkey house, I was by far the first one there, and. Um, the stage is probably like the size of this rug that we're sitting on here in my living room, which we'll say is like, I don't know, seven by 10 feet, something like that. Yeah, so, right. um, so it's, it'd be tight for a four piece probably to, right. to, to get on that stage. For a nine piece, that's <clears throat> gonna, yeah. So yeah, the nine piece ends up like when they play later on, uh, they're totally spilling off into the bar area. Like the brass section basically is not on stage. Anyway, uh, didn't seem like any considerations were made for the practicality of, of any of this, <laughs> like the number of bands, the size of the, of the venue. I didn't know uh, like how, how this kind of thing could, could really happen. And I think uh, Bear's mentioning this was the day before Halloween, as I recall, in 2010. So okay. uh, it was like a Friday night and whatever college, uh, University of Vermont in Burlington or somewhere near there, something like that. Cause it was, I think that's right, yeah. It was like clearly, it, as, as the night progressed, it became very clear that this was like a college hangout. And I, I kind of even got the sense maybe that it was the kind of place where the uh, 19 and 20 year olds went because they could get in okay. or whatever. Okay, they just didn't uh, Who knows, yeah, one of those under the radar things. Um, but also, you know, since I've left college, 20 year olds now look like they're 12 to me, so. Right. Um, <laughs> so I might not be the greatest judge of that. Uh, any case, yeah, they, they, I think my hospitality that evening was a six pack of beer, which normally would be great, but it was totally spoiled. It tasted like, like straight vinegar. And I told oh. the guy, he's like, he's like, oh, well, we can't replace it. Sorry. Nothing I can do. So it's like just one little, little thing after another. And again, like I said, some of this feels kind of petty, but then, uh, it was a bar situation where, uh, after just not feeling settled or taken care of at all, all day, I was supposed to, I played and, uh, did my normal set um arrangement which would be like five to ten minutes of instrumental guitar looping build up stuff and then i'll go into a song and as soon as i started singing i realized there was like one or two people up front that were actually paying attention to what i was doing and the rest of the bar was slowly filling up it's probably like 8 or 8 30 p.m uh again on a friday night with all these college kids streaming in and, I, and as i'm kind of like in the parts where i'm not singing i'm kind of looking at the door which is right beside me um so it's one of those bar orientations where to get to the main part of the room you have to walk past the stage, okay. uh, yeah. which sometimes that's fine and 
other times it's it's very blatant. Um, but anyway, I'm watching this guy just kind of like wave his friends through and not charge, or I don't know if they're his friends or just people that he wanted to be friends with, but he was ba- barely charging anybody uh, the $5 cover for this five-band oh, okay. show. Right. Uh, and um, so I was kind of distracted by that too while I was trying to play. <laughs> and it, it turned into one of those few sets I've had I've, I've done where... Uh, the volume of the room is such that I, the only thing I can basically do to combat it is to kick on my distortion pedal, which I have reserved for that purpose, okay. and crank up my <laughs> amplifier and just try to drown them out. But it was one of the, uh, one of those things where they, um, I think it's called the Lombard effect, where the ambience of the room as it raises, just like people continue to get right. louder and louder like, and louder. Oh, you think so, you're loud? We, yeah, you think we can't be louder uh, than so that? Did not work that time. Sometimes that one works. Um, and. Uh, so it's feeling just kind of disrespected on all levels. That was that was the, the biggest wound I would say is, is uh, you know when you don't feel uh, respected that far. Like I was literally at the very farthest point from from home uh, at, right. that, at that show. From I lived in Portland at the time, um, and this uh, this guy I found out when I asked about uh, where I'd be staying because I was told by uh, David, my booking agent. Uh, that I would be taken care of as far as lodging, and uh, so this this guy, the the promoter, who I guess we can call Rob. I don't know. That's that wasn't his name as far as I can remember. But anyway, Rob uh, was. I hadn't hadn't said anything about the like not charging people at the door thing. Um, but and he was the door person too. <clears throat> yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, running, running, kind of running the whole show. Um, and so you know, I had learned by that point. I think it was my second solo tour, but I knew enough to like settle up as soon as possible after a set and uh, so I, I asked him I was like hey so my guarantee is uh, 250 for this and he kind of just made this face he's like well we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit kind of kind of thing just de- de- deflected um, and I asked him like uh, I'm supposed to have a place to stay like do you have an extra room or something he's like yeah we got an extra room back in my place that's cool you can just follow me back there in a little while and uh, so then I, I'm probably skipping a, a ton of little things I know I had you know I, I think I played second probably out of five so I sat and watched all these other bands because I was waiting for my place to stay basically right and uh, I you know I always consider that respectful I was just feeling pretty like definitely not wanting to be there anymore after I finished playing so right one of those rare instances where I was just like as soon as I can get out of here it'll be great um so anyway yeah the show show finishes uh Rob kind of collects his stuff and uh he's like we're going to this house party uh, it's like a college house party. <laughs> and again, I kind of got the sense that he was trying trying to get on the good side of some people that he thought were cool or I don't know what and uh, what was going on there exactly. But I ended up getting making it clear as like, well, wh- what am I supposed to do? Like, where do you live? He's like, oh, I live outside of town a little ways, so you have to you'll have to follow me there. It's it's like not. I didn't have a GPS in my car or anything. He's like, so I, right. I couldn't give you easy. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. give you easy directions out there. Um, so we go to this very, very normal, somewhat raucous uh, Halloween house party. A lot of people are in costumes, and I'm just like, I think I just probably wedged myself into a corner and waited for for this dude to do his thing. I don't know what he was expecting to do, but I think we must have been there for close to an hour, and it was like past midnight at this point, and uh, I was feeling feeling pretty low, uh, I would say, uh, on the verge of just looking for the nearest Motel 6, which I, in retrospect, probably should have done, but... 
uh, after a while, he finally uh, came back and was like, hey, we can, we can get going, just follow me out to my place. And I swear to God, he must have been trying to lose me on the freeway, because it was like three, three <laughs> different, very short, like less than a mile stretches on different freeways. And he was going, he must have been going over 80 the whole time, and like, you know, 65 or 70 on the, on the freeways out there. So I was like, this, either he has no idea how to let somebody follow him, or he's trying to lose me, because I haven't been paid it either, like, keep in mind, and he, and he, didn't, he didn't give me an address. I had, I, you know, I, I had his phone number, but I, I was like, well, that guy's not fucking not picking up his phone if I try to call him at this point. Um, so so I, I end up, like, I successfully follow him to his house okay, with, like, white-knuckled white and just, like, probably tensest shoulders they could possibly have, um, and the... Uh, Basically, the, the extra room he has is the floor of his dining room, which has, as I recall, something like, you know, just a, a normal $10 card table and some folding chairs around it, and then it's otherwise a bare floor that hadn't been swept in who knows how long. Um, like a wood, wood floor? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So luckily I had a, a sleeping bag with me, because I try to prepare for that kind of thing too, but um, usually there's at least a couch or something. It looked, like, yeah. it looked like either he had never moved into this house, or like a bunch of people just moved out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... Uh, Anyway, I don't recall how much sleep I got. I probably you know, got a, a few decent hours and then woke up and uh, he, had, he had told me, oh, that was the other thing, before I went to sleep, he was like, yeah, just knock on my door in the morning, it's this one upstairs and uh, I can write you a check for your guarantee. And so um, I try to do that. I remember waking up in that house too. It was such a kind of depressing scene with this uh, you know, overcast late October uh, grim kind of morning light streaming in very gray yeah uh, as I recall and I looked in the living room and there was like a, a stationary bike in the corner like next to the the fireplace mantle uh, with clothing draped over the handlebars and like a stack of three or four pizza boxes on the seat is <laughs> that it was like that kind of place <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I know that kind of that's a strange <laughs> that's a strange combination of things a stationary bike for a show promoter I feel like that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, this, I could not figure this guy out. Uh, so anyway, I followed his direction and like, knocked on his door and I was like, hey, you know, Rob, or whatever his name was, um, just, I need to get going to Boston. Uh, I was probably, I probably could have hung out for a couple hours, but why? Yeah, you were ready to get Why the hell would I do that? Um, I didn't, I didn't look, didn't want to look in the cupboards in the, in the kitchen. Figured, like, coffee maker's probably full of mold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Um, so I, yeah, roused him. He, He's like, hey, what's up? And I, like, you know, uh, cracked the door open and, and looked in, and he's like, I don't know if he's naked or just shirtless, and I saw his, you know, bare shoulders, and I was just like, hey, just want to uh, get my check. Head out, it's 2.50. Um, need, to, need to get to Boston. And he was like, yeah, you know, man, we really didn't make that much money on the show. I don't know if I can give you the full guarantee. And I was just like, oh, come on, man. This is literally only the only reason that I stuck around, hung out, like, followed you here, and it's just breaking my heart, and I, I was, like, I'm not a mean person, and I'm not a confrontational person, so I was just, like, my head was running with all these things, and I'm feeling, like, this weird psychosomatic internal response, now. just remembering that, like, quivering frustration with this, uh, total, total idiot. He might be a smart guy, but he was just the worst show promoter I could possibly imagine, and I wanted to, to tell him that, I was just, like, you know, I, I cannot imagine, um, not telling the next 50 people I see about this experience and like especially musicians they'll just be like if you ever get the chance to go to the monkey house and we'll <laughs> just do it don't do it um, and you know I didn't want to insult his character or him as a person because I really didn't know him beyond this just ridiculous experience um, 
and so I was like, well, what, what can I get from you? And he's like, I think uh, I counted it out, I can get you like 117 bucks. And I was, I was just like, you know, there's not much of a mental calculation there. I was like, it's pretty much 117 or zero at this point. And, right. You know, I took uh, whatever he was able to give me, and uh, so it was something like that. And um, first, first move after I packed up my shit as quickly as I could and just rolled out of there um, was to... I think I went to a Dunkin' Donuts because they have a million of those out there. There are a million of them out there. Yeah. Called uh, called David, my promoter or my uh, booking agent in Montreal, and he was just like, I gave him a very quick rundown of the story, and it was, I think I probably just said like that was that was the shittiest experience I could have, I have ever had on the road, and you know, probably enumerated all the ways that it could have could have gone worse, certainly, but <clears throat> uh, he was totally totally shocked and was like, well. You know, basically fuck that guy, and I, yeah, like I said, it's probably to his advantage that I don't remember his name, but I really, I really hope that was the last show he ever tried to put on. I sort of don't. I feel like probably not. Right? <laughs> he probably, yeah, probably got away with that. Because <laughs> uh, he, I uh, didn't observe him at this house party, but the fact that we were there for less than an hour, and I think he was trying to like, you know, spit spit game, at, <laughs> yeah, at some some ladies or something like that. Um, I thought you maybe didn't say he was trying to like shake down some folks for another. Didn't work. It. For some more money or something. No, no. He seemed very, very lax with X. I think he wanted to be the cool guy. Like, you know, that's Rob. He puts on shows. He's a cool guy. Right. He wanted to be that that dude, but put in zero of the work you have to you have to actually do to, to earn that status. Man. I feel like, and granted, I don't, in the U.S., I don't get guarantees all the time or, or by any means. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked, like, when I got there and saw the situation. I was like, they're going to give me 250 for this show? Because that seems little... Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I'm... You know, and you were saying as far as like you realize you had things pretty go pretty well, and like certainly we've all played <clears throat> shows for a lot less than one hundred seventeen dollars. But I feel like the concept of a guarantee is pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's, it's the only a, time I've ever it's a guarantee. Been haggled, been haggled that's what it, that, yeah. that's what it means. Even the shows where I'm clearly like <clears throat> not making money or they're probably losing money, I've never been been shirked like that. Well, because generally, if you really can't pay the guarantee, then don't make a guarantee. That that's generally how it goes it's requiring the promoter or the venue whoever's given it to to put some skin in the game and not have the entire risk beyond the musician so that like if the show doesn't go well we're just you know oh well sorry too bad um part part of me kind of wonders too if like if maybe that was the entire take from the door that he gave me because I think it sounds like it probably was. It was yeah, I was like, so I was like, so he he probably then went the next day and like if those other band, those other Burlington bands or um, regional acts, whatever, approached him for money, they're like, oh, I had to give it all to the touring guy. So right. now they all hate me too or something. <laughs> right. Like my, you know, my your mind starts racing with those possibilities of how like yeah how you could turn around and like because you know people who are that shitty at something don't often have the introspection to to understand what they've done. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's why I'm sure that was not the last show he ever tried to put put together. I played a show once in. uh, I did done him a favor by saying suck at this, but right, right. (laughs) Um, I played a show in Little Rock, Arkansas, once, and there was this guy, and I do remember his name. And the thing is, he's a sweet guy. He was bad at booking shows, but he was a sweet guy. His name's Casey, and uh, we. There was a show where I played a lot of shows of his, and some of them were like pretty good, fun, but like never, they were never shows that made very much money. But I mean, 
I don't think I had ever gotten a guarantee or anything. It was always like DIY shows. And I was trying to book a show like right after, it was like the week after South by Southwest or something. And so it was a little, it was a little rough. Like I think I was late in the game booking and, and I think it was like uh, a lot of these places are full up now. They just don't have Yeah, like it's a pretty, pretty tough uh, yeah, period, like March in Texas yeah, in general it's, is rough. And, and the whole area around, this was in Arkansas, but like I know from now years of experience of like try not to be anywhere near Texas if you're not going to South by Southwest, cause, right. yeah, which I usually am not. But so I think I reached out to him about a show and he was like, oh yeah, um, actually I can put you on this show that I've already booked, uh, the band Psychic Ills, do you know those guys at all? On Sacred Buns? Um, not personally, but... But yeah, he was like, Psychic Ills are playing, it'll probably be like a big show. And I was like, okay, and I didn't, I didn't know them prior to that. Um, I think I maybe have heard the name, or I knew Sacred Bones, and I was like, okay, well that, that sounds cool, like, what's the money situation? And he was like, well, I have, I had to give, I gave them a hundred dollar guarantee. So, like, at a minimum. And I was like, well, okay, here's the thing. It doesn't sound like a big show. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a big show, but also, also, like, I'm just thinking, the shows that I've played of his before, um, didn't make a lot of money. Like, generally made less than $100. So, I'm thinking, that means all of the money is going to go to Psychic Kills, and I will get, I'm, like, guaranteed to get zero dollars, mm-hmm. is what that's saying. And he's like, no, 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 I mean, no, it should, it should be okay. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound okay. Like, I get that, like, you want it to be okay, but it sounds like that's a recipe for making no money, which I, I can't really do that, so I'll figure something else out. He's like, no, 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 look, look. I'll at least, I think it'll be better than this, but I'll at least do like a $50 guarantee for you. And I was like, all right, all right, well, okay. And again, I'd never got a guarantee from him before. I'd probably played like four shows of his before, just like house shows and stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. Well then I guess he's gotta, he's gotta do his job because he's got hundred bucks to Psychic Gills and 50 bucks to me minimum. Um, it's a five dollar show, I assume. Or something yeah, like yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's a little pizza place. It's called like Vino's or Vito's or I can't remember the place, but it's it's a pizza joint that has shows in the back. Um, I'd been there, I think, before just for the pizza and not for shows. <laughs> but uh, but there was a proper, there was a decent stage like in the back. Um, so I get there. Similar situation where I, I get there before him. I wasn't there super early, but like. It was like a little bit early and he wasn't there yet and I'm looking around and I notice there's no there's a bunch of flyers on the on the window of the place of different shows there's not a show there's not a flyer for this show I've, yeah that's, that's always a little concerning that's that always a little yeah. yeah and then and then I was like okay well oh, that's kind of unfortunate like this is on the venue like I'm assuming that if there was going to be a flyer anywhere it would be here yeah that kind of tells me there's probably not one anywhere. And so then he gets there, and we're kind of loading in. I meet the folks in Psychic Gills, and they're super nice, and we're, like, hanging out, and it's, it's, they're very, like, somebody I'm, like, excited to see, and it's, that part's, like, cool. And there, there's another band, uh, Baklava, ba, Baklavas, I think is the name of the band. They were, they were great. Um, not a single person came to this show. Not one person. Wow. There were people there who worked at the venue, who were hanging out, who were like not currently working, but just sort of chilling, yeah. but who didn't pay to get in. There was Casey and his lady friend, 
and not a single paying yes. attendee. <laughs> and, and I just remember that after the show, I, I went up to talk to him. I was like, well, this is the part that sucks, but you, you, you guaranteed... You know, I went to go talk to him, and he's like, man, I'm sorry this show was so shitty. Like, and I was like, well, yeah, not a single person came. That's beyond just, like, a, a shitty show. Like, that's... That's, a, that's, a that's like, a not show. I, yeah, I've never had zero. I played the uh, business in Anacortes uh, on that same tour, actually, that I'm talking about. I've been to that spot, yeah. And uh, the only people there were, like, a 16-year-old kid who was very sweet and bought a record from me. And then... Um, <laughs> her name uh, Opeon the woman Phil, Phil Abram's wife who passed uh, oh Genevieve. Genevieve, yeah. yeah and she was there and she was super sweet too oh, and wow. that was the only time I ever met her but that was like such a, a great um, moment I can't believe I forgot her name yeah Genevieve was there and uh, she was great and I think she bought it. I think that was the only right, only show I ever played where uh, everyone in the audience bought a record <laughs> the two of them did anyway. two yeah. well on this one in, in Little Rock I'm, I'm sort of like well yeah that, that was not you know didn't really promote at all which turned out he was just at he was at South By mm -hmm. and so he wasn't around and didn't promote it um, at all he was like texting friends right before the show and nobody came so he's like yeah what really sucks is I owe I owe Psychic Gills a hundred bucks and I, and I realized like, I think he forgot that he made oh, this guarantee yeah. to me as well and I'm like yeah you, you kind of owe me 50 bucks too and that's where I was like same thing it's like I don't want to be confrontational and it sucks that you didn't promote the show at all but that's kind of on you and yeah that's and he's and but he said it like he's gonna have to get it to me or something you know something where he's like man I don't have any money on me but I'll get it to you this week and again I played shows with him before so I was sort of like well I know the guy like that's ah, annoying but okay fine so I think I wait a week and then I or I wait a little extra time, whatever, added a few days to whatever time he said and checked in with him. He was like, Hey man, can you PayPal me like you said you're going to? It's like, shit man, some stuff came up this week. Next week for sure. And I was like, dude, I don't wanna fucking do this. Like, I need the money, I'm broke. It's just fifty bucks, but I do need it, but I don't wanna are you gonna make me work for it? Like Yeah, I kind of I always wonder what the threshold is for actually fussing with that kind of thing because yeah. like recently I did a remix for somebody uh, on a UK label and the label um, what, did a wire transfer for the fee and you know I specified on the little invoice I sent them like please if you're using wire PayPal is always preferred but if you're using a wire uh, include an extra $15 for my bank's wire transfer fee and they, took, yeah. they forgot to do that and I wrote back I was like can you just PayPal me the $15 and they have been silent since then so again right. it's somewhat petty but again it's a matter of like just detail and respect and yeah you know I, I don't think I got that much for for that uh, work initially so like 15 bucks was I don't know out of 100 basically that I got for that or something like that right, so right. not insignificant it it's, that's that's uh, that's groceries for a day yeah <laughs> or something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but also you reminded me of one of the the sadder but funnier moments I had as a spectator I went to see the band uh, Hood the English band from early okay. early aughts who I still still love uh, quite a bit um, and uh, saw them at the Magic Stick in Detroit, which typically um, was full for that kind of uh, indie rock show, especially like whatever you want to call that, uh, 
glitchy indie rock stuff that they that they were doing around that time. I, I figured would would have been a packed show. I think I got tickets ahead of time, and I went there and uh, realized it was St. Patrick's Day, oh, and okay. that was not a popular spot for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> no, no Irish flair. I don't think they put up anything green. It was just kind of a you know kind of a rock bar. Um, and I saw yeah, I saw a ton of shows there when I was in college in Ann Arbor, but that one I think I was one of five or six people in the audience for this room that could easily hold three or four hundred right um, and they hood were, were very aware of that too and they were just like uh, seemed to be at a bit of a low point and they uh, addressed the issue at, at, at one um, point in the show and singer Richard was uh, he's like well you know, this isn't isn't the least attended show that we've ever done because we, we played in Shropshire once uh, for a dog and a dog showed up <laughs> <laughs> well I suppose as long as he enjoyed it yeah little fella I mean I guess the dog probably didn't pay it again yeah it's... and when you when you talk about flyers too I, I was thinking like if I could find it I used to have a little gallery or I think I would email myself a photo uh, from my phone every time I encountered a misspelling of my fake name Benoit Pilar which oh, right. that's my fault for it choosing, that, <laughs> choosing a, a stupid French name as an American um, never misspelled in, in France right um, yeah all the other places especially in the US have gone like the, the most the weirdest one uh, I got was or that uh, showed up at, at a venue was in Iowa City which is a great show but I, I was uh, standing by the the door talking to like the, the girl who was handling uh, ingress um, and looked up and realized that they had spelled my name uh, Basil, B-A, like not Benoit at all, but B-A-S-I-L, Poulard, and without the I, so it's like, just, anybody who looked at that would be like, I have no idea who that is, even if you Google it, they're like, I don't know if there's a Basil Poulard. But <laughs> Basil's is. a pretty big stretch from, yeah, from Benoit. Benoit. And there's yeah. somebody, uh, one, of the, one of the two times I was ever recognized uh, as a musician or like somebody who had seen me play live was in the uh, Ann Arbor Arboretum in like probably 2007 because uh, I had just started playing shows at that point and a guy walking past me was like hey I know you DDA Foucault <laughs> that, was the name he, that was the name he threw at me I was like what <laughs> he, was, he was like I saw you play the other night at PJ's or whatever and I, was, I was like oh yeah yeah Cool. Thanks for thanks for coming. I didn't correct him, but I filed that away. DDA Foucault. DDA DDA is a French name. D I D I E R. Okay. DDA. So that was the name. So it was French. Yeah. Basically, he got French right. But I considered. I still have that on a short list of like other aliases down the line. Wow. Probably not Basil Foucault, but DDA Foucault is pretty good. Basil. Is that a first name? I usually think of that as an English name. A lot of Englishmen are, are the old timey, like a Victorian Englishman would okay. be named Basil. Yeah. Basil Kirchen is a pretty great modern composer from the 50s okay. and 60s. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I will say, too, this made me think of you were talking about Hood. Um, I guess when, when Psychic Ills for that show, they were playing to no one just like I was playing to no one. I've played to no one a number of times. Like, that's happened. But it particularly struck me that like they had just played like the rest of that tour were playing to like hundreds of people generally yeah that's, that's, uh, that's a weird one you know and but I will say they they took it like champs I mean they they played their set it was excellent you know they played it to me and the other band and like I played mine to them and and I was kind of impressed just like cool they could have been real like divas about it and being like this is unacceptable and we were all just like yep this is a shitty show shitty shows happen sometimes oh well yeah 
that's that's one thing you learn after a while too. I mean, I do, what's your running count of, of shows? Like, I know it's been a little over ten years at this point, but do, do oh, I haven't kept track of actual number of shows. I wonder sometimes. Actually, my friend Hunter <laughs> in Denver wanted to figure it out. He, I mean, I sent him to my website where I try to list all my shows, and he was going to try to get a count for me. We we had the idea of because I just hit my ten year anniversary of being on the road of doing like a a t-shirt that tries to list every <laughs> man that's <laughs> you <know>? incredible <laughs> like 0.2 size font yeah I don't know I, well my thought was maybe maybe do it where you just list the cities just once for each city not necessarily like oh, I'm right, sure yeah, I've yeah. played you know Ann Arbor like eight times in the last right. ten years but I wouldn't try to list everyone just sure. just once yeah, I think the only only place I've played once that I would love to go back to that I, or the first one that comes to mind anyway is, uh, is Marfa as far as the U.S. because you know on U.S. tours you can only do so many cities generally um, right. I'm sure you've been to a lot of smaller places taking more yeah. opportunities there I which love, I think is, I which I think is amazing yeah that's um, usually my jam like houses and galleries are tend to be my favorite shows because people are engaged that's yeah. why I was just having that conversation about Los Angeles um, last night with a friend of mine who used to play cello in some bands uh, about how I like st- I started specifically requesting anybody who was booking shows for me to avoid uh, actual music venues in Los Angeles and yeah, instead look for galleries because anytime I've been to uh, like I played the Echoplex or whatever the smaller one is I think the Echo is the big one uh, so I played the yeah Echoplex and a couple other places with proper stages and people just show up to socialize and, and yeah. network there generally like yeah. it sounds like a stereotype but that's been my experience 100% of the time so any, any, and then anytime I've played a gallery it's like nice and small and people are uh, you know pony up and buy records and yeah. that kind of thing so it's again something you learn after after doing it a few times doing it a little while yeah I have a sister who lives in LA otherwise I'd probably skip LA entirely right. it's, it's definitely not my favorite place to play but um, there's so much going on there it's just I guess like a lot of a lot of cities it's also saturated where a lot of venues have too many options and don't have to actually do a good job at all. Right. Um, well, cool, man. I think I think we'll cut it there. Unless it seems, it seems good. I don't know if I have any further remarks. What are we listening to? I meant to ask earlier. Oh yeah, give credit to uh, Fluorescent Heights. That's Fluorescent Heights. Cool. He's done stuff on a bunch of labels, but he recently uh, put all of his uh, I don't know ten or twelve releases on Bandcamp for super cheap. And cool. That's that's like my favorite. Uh, Anytime home home music, sweet. Whether I'm cleaning or reading or whatever. Well, I don't know if it picked up on the recording or not, but if you <laughs> you listeners out there can hear it, this is Fluorescent Heights, and you've been listening to Worship Lover. Thanks, CJ. Yeah, thanks. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Duana Flyman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.